following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right, Christian Life Austin, how we doing tonight? Y'all, it's spring break week. And if you're joining with us online from somewhere nice and sunny on vacation, I say with kindness and a little bit of jealousy in my heart. Thank you for tuning in. And then for those of you that are in the room and we're holding the fort down with our kids, can I just encourage you, help is on the way. Monday is coming. School is coming back. Man, I'm so excited uh, for what God is doing here at this church and for what God wants to do here tonight. Uh, For those of you, maybe you've not met me before, my name is Philip Daigle. And I'm the associate pastor here at Christian Life Austin. I'm just one of the pastors, and I'm so thankful to be a part of this team. How many know that there is no team like Christian Life Austin? I'm so thankful for this leadership. I'm so thankful for our pastors, Pastors Rex and Patty, Pastor Brad and Cass. We are so thankful for their leadership and the vision of this house. Is anybody excited where this house is going? Man, what an honor it is to speak to you tonight, and I just want to talk to you for just a short little while from from this subject and from this idea of a left-handed believer in a right-handed world. A left-handed believer in a right-handed world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Judges chapter number three, and we're just going to jump into this one scripture and then jump into this idea of what I feel like God wants me to speak on here tonight. Judges chapter number three and verse 15. And the people of Israel cried out to God and God raised up for them a savior, Ehud, son of Gera, a Benjamite, and he was left handed. Jesus, in your name, we're so thankful, we're so grateful for the opportunity that we have to be in your house, to be with your people, and I just pray that you would open up our hearts and open up our minds and our spirits for what you want us to hear tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Kind of from the get-go, I just want you to understand what this message is about. Adversity is your biggest advantage. Whether you realize it or not, adversity is your biggest help. Adversity is a blessing. Adversity brings strength. Adversity is a reminder that you're closer than you realize. Adversity is a reminder that opposition hangs out at the door of opportunity. So if you are feeling adversity tonight, know this, that you are close to the God-given opportunity in front of you. The truth is, for many of us, adversity finds us, but for the rest of us, we have a knack for finding adversity. Maybe this is just a hidden talent of mine, but I feel like throughout my life, I've had this talent of being able to find adversity where other people cannot. (laughs) Some may call it a hidden talent, but I remember when I was 18 years old and I had just got some newfound freedom. I was excited that I I had a job. I I could drive a car. I had my own car. And what I didn't realize is that freedom came with responsibility. 
and I was driving the roads, I was having a good time, not following the speed limit, and I, I got pulled over and I got my first ticket. And uh, like many normal teenagers, uh, you know, we get a ticket and we hide it from our parents. Actually, I don't know if that's normal teenagers or not, but that's what I did, okay? I, I wasn't sure what to do. I thought my car would be taken away, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to take care of this ticket myself, and then... I did what many normal teenagers do. I forgot about the ticket. And I'll never forget one uh, Saturday morning. Uh, it was about 5 a.m. and there was a knock on my bedroom door. And it was strange because I, it wasn't a knock on the house door. It was my bedroom. And so I got up. I had been asleep in my underwear. And I go to open the door expecting to see like my parents. And standing in front of the door inside of my house is a police officer. He is suited and he is booted. He's got the handcuffs, he's got the gun, and I'm standing there in my underwear. What is going on? Why is this guy here? I had forgot about the ticket. He said, son, uh, were you speeding on the night of so-and-so? I was like, yeah, I guess I was. He said, well, we're going to have to take you to jail. My mom is standing right here, mind you, in her nightgown, crying because her baby boy is about to go to jail. And I'm, I'm, I'm confused, I'm disoriented, it's 5 a.m., I didn't know that cops came up into the house, like I thought they would at least knock and I could go meet them, maybe I could put on my clothes first, but he tells me, and I'm, mind you, I'm still in my underwear, he says, turn around, sir, we're, we're going to take you to jail. And again, I'm like, in my underwear, like right now, like this is, can I put on my and he handcuffs me, and I look over at my poor mom, and she is crying her eyes out. She's so upset, and, and I'm embarrassed. I, I'm so ashamed. And, and so he kind of tells me how irresponsible it was not to pay my ticket, how irresponsible it was to speed. And I'm listening. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm so sorry. Like, and I'm looking at my mom. Can you save me? Like, is there something that we can we pay the ticket? Like, there's something that has to be done. He gets through all of that. And he says, okay, I think we've taught you a good lesson. We're not going to take you to jail. Your mom called me and wanted me to scare you. And I'm like, what? I look at my mom and I go from confusion and shame to now anger. I look at my mom and say, why are you crying? You set this whole thing up. Some of us find adversity, sometimes adversity finds us, and sometimes our mom helps us find adversity. You know, adversity is a part of life, but adversity also is an amazing part of life. I'll tell you, today it is... March Madness Eve, tomorrow kicks off March Madness. I'm a sports fan, I'm excited, and what I love about March Madness, I, I, I hear like a, a smattering of claps, some of you guys are excited, I'm I'm excited. What we love about March Madness is the little guy overcoming adversity to beat the big dog. It's something that's exciting. In fact, just a few years ago, I was watching 
Duke in North Carolina, and in the middle of the game, they switch over to another game, and it's Alabama versus Minnesota. Shout out to, to Jaron Davis, wherever he is in the room. He's somewhere. He is a huge Alabama fan, and he's going to love this story. But I was watching this game, and they had had a fight in the middle of the game, and they kicked out all the players except for three Alabama players. And they said, you can either forfeit the game or you can keep playing. Alabama said, let's go. We got three guys. Let's do it. This is something worth watching. Can I tell you, I just started watching that game just because of the adversity involved. Here's what happened. They came back. They ended up losing by three. But guess what? They had my respect because they played through the adversity. The only reason that I was watching was because of the adversity. The only reason that I was watching was because of the adverse conditions. Can I just tell you tonight that privilege and entitlement have never encouraged anyone. You know what inspires people? It's when people overcome adversity, when they don't back down from challenges. I'll tell you tonight, you don't even have to win. You don't even have to overcome. But as long as you stand in the face of adversity and choose to fight, you have my respect. Tonight, I don't know what your adversity is here today. I don't know what you're struggling with, and I don't know what you're up against. But I just want to encourage you tonight that you can be thankful for adversity because in the adversity, God works, and he uses adversity for his glory. Judges chapter number three, it's, it's an amazing story. In verse 15, it says, again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord and he gives them a deliverer. The first thing that you need to know about this story is that believers are an answer to someone else's prayer. That when oppressed people cry out, when oppressed people cry out to God, God starts talking not to the oppressed, but to the believer. When people talk to God, God starts talking to believers. Do you realize that when someone prays, that when someone cries out, God sends you? That when someone needs healing and someone needs help and someone needs hope, that God starts to raise up believers. And in verse 15, God is raising up an answer to the prayer of the Israelites. And he gives this he gives them this man, Ehud. And all it says about this man is that he is a left-handed man. Can I just tell you tonight, in the middle of a global pandemic, in the middle of wars and rumors of wars, in the middle of political divisiveness, believers are born for the time in which they are believing. God knew what he was doing when you were born. God knew what he was doing when he called you and he placed his hand upon you. He knew the season and the time in which you would be believing. He knew this time was coming. He's not surprised. God has sent you, God has sent me for such a time as this. But sometimes it takes adversity to bring out the best in us. Sometimes it takes pressure to produce a person in you that you did not know existed. Tonight, you need to know this about yourself. There is a different you inside of you. There, there is a different 
you than who you are right now, a stronger you, a wiser you, a more focused you, and that you will not be found through comfort, that you will be found only through adversity. (laughs) You know, we don't get much detail about this man except that he's left-handed and the writer makes sure to let us know and in that moment it seems so insignificant it seems so unimportant but the writer also includes one more detail he says that this man who is left-handed is also a Benjamite again not a big deal unimportant to us and for many of us that's that's how our life goes the details of our life seem so mundane and so unimportant, but God does work in the smallest details. Pastor Rex said this a few Sundays ago. He said, if you do the big things or do the small things like big things, God does the big things like small things. The seemingly insignificant moments and the details of your life matter to God. Some things are overlooked in our lives. Some things are misunderstood, but nothing is in significant. Benjamin in the Bible means son of my right hand. So just for a moment, let's go to Bible class and and let's look at some Bible history and give you some context because if you're going to ever understand scripture, you have to get the context. And here is the context. Ehud is a left-handed man born into a group of people that find their identity in the strength of their right hand. Ehud, a left-handed man from the tribe of Benjamin who find their strength in their right hand. Let's go back to Benjamin. He's born to Rachel, the Bible says, in her pain. And when he is born, Rachel names him Benani, son of my pain. And Jacob walks in the room and says, no, we are not going to label him in our pain. We are not going to label him in our emotion. We are not going to label him in a temporary pain. Jacob hears that name and says, no, not on my watch. We will not name him based on someone else's pain. And tonight, many of us have been given labels by someone else in their pain. We know that hurt people hurt people, and I can see it in the lives of so many believers. I can see your struggle because of the way someone divorced you or the way someone left you or something that they said to you that really didn't have anything to do with you, but it was based on their pain, and in their pain, they labeled you. And and Jacob comes in and says, not... On my watch, instead of Ben and I, we're going to call him Benjamin, son of my right hand. And I love that so much because that's what the church is all about. That's what Jesus is all about, giving you a new label, giving you a new name. The enemy might try to label you. He might try to label you based on what someone else said about you in their pain. But Jesus gives you a new name. Okay, that's, that's about Benjamin. That's giving you... Some context, that's about Benjamin, but let's go to Ehud. So he's, he's from this tribe of people who find their strength and their identity in their right hand, and he's born a left-handed man. This statement alone speaks to his adversity, but it also speaks to his advantage. It also speaks to his uniqueness. This guy was able to do something because he was left-handed that nobody else could do. 
Can I tell you, many times in life, your uniqueness feels like awkwardness until you get to a season where God shows you why he made you. A left-handed believer does not see their uniqueness as an insecurity, but rather as an asset. Tonight, can I tell you, you might not feel like you are enough or that you're equipped, but can I tell you, you can thank God for the adversity that's in your life. Tonight, maybe God wants to use your left-handedness. Maybe just, maybe there's a quality about you that nobody else possesses. These are abnormal times, and we need unique believers. So what do you do when everyone around you is known for what you do not possess? What do you do when everyone else around you has their strength? What do you do when everyone else seems to get it right, but you just can't seem to get it right? What do you do when you seem to be the only one with this struggle? Here's what you do. You take the adversity that you are facing and the adversity that you are looking at and you use it to propel yourself into the future and the plan of God for your life because I've realized this in life. The seeds of success are buried in the soil of adversity. It's a whole tribe of people who saw their right hand as a strength and Ehud had to lean into his strength. He had to lean into the opposite of them. He had to lean into his left hand. Ehud had to decide that maybe I'm just not like everyone else. Maybe my story doesn't have to look like everyone else's story, but I will lean into this gift. I will lean into this gift even if it brings me adversity. You see, at some point along the way, Ehud had to come to the conclusion that I am not a product of my environment. I am not a product of what has happened to me. Can I just preach to somebody here tonight that has some fight left inside of you, that even though you are in the middle of adversity, that even though you are in the middle of a struggle, God, he wants to use that struggle and that adversity for his glory. The definition of adversity is just hardships or challenges or misfortune, a state of difficulty. Can anybody relate? (laughs) If you're taking notes here tonight, point number one is this, in a world that fights right-handed, God wants you to fight with your left. Tonight, I don't care what you look like, and I don't care who your mom or who your dad are. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you drive or what crypto you have. Everyone faces adversity. And if you aren't careful, you will let the adversity that you are facing today shape where you end up tomorrow. Because sometimes, simply, we just get tired of fighting. Sometimes we get tired of the criticism of the world. Sometimes we get tired of the criticism of culture. Sometimes we get tired of fighting the good fight of faith. I read recently an article that says we have been, what we have been through the last two years is equivalent to facing the same amount of stress for 10 years. Like whether you know it or not, These last few years haven't been easy. If it's not a disease, it's political division. If it's not political division, it's a war. If it's not a war, just insert the next thing. 
It's a constant battle, and as Christians, we feel like sometimes we are the only ones that are fighting and believing and hoping and being sought and light when the world is dark and losing its flavor. All of us have moments where we feel like the gift is a curse. All of us have moments where we wish we were just right-handed like everyone else because the fight is never ending. But can I just tell you, everyone faces adversity. Everyone faces a struggle, but the struggle is the proof that you have not been conquered. If you're struggling here tonight, I say that's great news because struggle is the proof that you're still fighting. Struggle is the proof that you're still standing. Man, can I just encourage you? If you're facing adversity, if you're facing problems, if you're facing issues, congratulations, you're alive. If you're facing adversity, can I just say congratulations, there is life ahead of you. There is tomorrow, there is hope ahead, there is joy ahead. Man, I can't tell you how many moments that were so amazing on the other side of pain and on the other side of adversity. Scars have stories and every scar is proof that you survived. Adversity is proof. The truth is tonight, everybody wants to win, but nobody wants to fight. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever watched basketball, but if there was no defense, it would not be any fun. I mean, it's kind of like the NBA, but for real, if there was no defense, it would not be any fun. Can you imagine a sporting event with no adversary? It doesn't make sense. It's the enemy on the outside that reveals the champion on the inside. The only way that you get to victory is because there is an adversary. The only way to win is through adversity. The only way that you overcome is because there is a struggle. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 says the accuser of our brothers and sisters, he stands before God day and night and he accuses us. But the next scripture says, but we overcome the adversary. We overcome the opponent. We overcome the enemy. Why? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Man, there is no testimony without a test though. There is no victory without a trial. There is no winning without an opponent. And the temptation of our time is that we either quit the fight or we fight the wrong battles. Can I just remind someone that the fight is upon us and while the world may fight right-handed, God asked for us as believers to fight with our uniqueness and here is the unique fight that he has called us to that we battle not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against people. Our battle is for people. (laughs) Newsflash, we're in a fight but we don't fight with guns and bombs. We fight with something even stronger. Ephesians chapter six, it says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle, our battle, and our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. 
against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand strong and stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, then stand just a little bit more. And with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always be praying. Man, can I just remind somebody here tonight that we don't fight like other people fight. We fight with an inner strength. We fight by standing strong in the power of his might. We fight with love. We fight with peace. We fight with joy. We fight with patience. We fight in the goodness of our God. Point number two is you always have a choice left. You see, when we are born, we are born looking like our parents, but we die looking like our choices. Even though Ehud was born different than most, he had a choice. I can try to fight like everyone else, or I can stay true to my calling. I can try to be like everyone else in the office or I can stay true to the integrity God has given me. I, I can date like everybody else, like the rest of the world, or I can lean into my left-handedness and the strength of who I am. You make choices and choices make you. How many times did Ehud, how many times was he asked to conform to everyone else's strength? How many times was Ehud challenged? How many times did Ehud have to turn down the opportunity to be like everyone else? How many times, how much work, how much patience? I can imagine that things were tough. I can imagine that they made fun of him. Anytime we play golf with a left-handed player, we tell them they're playing on the wrong side of the ball. But Ehud decided what has happened to me will not define me. Ehud realized that adversity was just another opportunity. Today, I believe that you're here in spite of the adversity around you, but I might even argue, argue that you are here tonight actually because of the adversity in front of you. And I just want to encourage you tonight that progress is not pretty, that the world is designed to keep you from progress, I heard, I heard a quote the other day that said, aging is just simply the constant pursuit of comfort. I feel attacked because I'm getting older and I'm pursuing a lot of comfort in my life. And while that may be an exaggeration, the truth is we will never move forward in life in comfort. We all want to move forward, but we don't want to put in the work in order to receive the miracle, you have to go through the adversity and you cannot quit now. God has brought you too far to abandon you. Can I just tell you tonight, it's not over until you quit. Point number three is this, what you have left is better than what you have lost. 
If you live based on your memory of what could be, if you, if you live based on your memory uh, of the past, you'll never step into the destiny and the calling that God has for you, but you have to dream with what you have left. Life is about winning in spite of what you have lost. Life is about moving forward in spite of where you have, in spite of where you have been. Albert Einstein couldn't speak as a kid. Jim Carrey was homeless. Benjamin Franklin dropped out of school. Oprah Winfrey was sexually abused and had a child at age 14. Michael Jordan got cut from his high school team for being too short. Adversity. Franklin Roosevelt was paralyzed. Frederick Douglass was born into slavery and violence and separation from his parents. And yet time after time, these people overcame the adversity. Can I tell you tonight, your adversity is your advantage. Your problem is your platform. Your opposition is your opportunity. Your issue is your assurance that God is right by your side because what you have left is greater than what you have lost. A right-handed world says you have to stay in your grief. A right-handed world says you will be defined by what you have lost. A right-handed world says that loss will define you, but the left-handed believer says what I have left is greater than what I have lost. What I have gained is greater than anything that I have lost. The left-handed believer says in this moment, I may have lost some things, but I am more than a conqueror. I close with this. Your left hand, my last point, is your advantage. You see, a right-handed person sees their left hand as weak. If you were to watch me throw a ball here tonight and I threw right-handed, it would look like Tom Brady, come on somebody. And if you watched me throw with my left hand, it would look like 50 cent, come on somebody, it would be awful. <laughs> if y'all haven't seen him throw out the first pitch, you gotta watch it. You see, when your strength is your right hand, you see the left hand as weak. A right-handed world sees the left hand as not enough, as weak, as not strong enough. Here's what Paul said about that in 1 Corinthians Chapter one, he said, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Verse 22, he said, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. 
but we preach Christ and him crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. (laughs) For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the left hand of God, the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. (laughs) You, You had some issues. You had some weakness. You had some mess. Not not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chooses the, the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You see, when you take your weakness and bring it to God, when you take your struggle, when you take that left-handed issue and you bring it to God, he takes what the world sees as weakness and he turns it into a strength. Here's what Paul said about weakness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, but, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect and your left-handedness. It's made perfect in your weakness. The, the power of the, of the creator of time and space, the power of the one who spoke and worlds were formed, the power of that person. That power is made perfect in one thing. When you begin to realize that you're not enough and you begin to realize that you're weak on your own ability and in your own talent, but when you lean into the goodness of who he is, his power is made perfect. Man, some of you have never seen the power of our God because you've never admitted your weakness. Paul said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ may be revealed. Can I tell you, when you lean into your left-handedness, when you lean into your weakness and you reveal it, here's what God does. He takes that and he turns it into a strength. Here's how, because people look at you and they see your weakness and they're like, man, if he struggled with that for all those years and now look at how God is using him, he can do it for me too. I close with this. Let's all stand. I close with the story of the left-handed man, Ehud. It's a graphic story. I'm going to tell you right now. And if you want to read all, I'm leaving parts out. You think Netflix is wild. You should read this story. The Bible says that the people of Israel sent Ehud. They sent tribute by him to Eglon, king of Moab. And Ehud made himself a short two-edged sword and he strapped it on his right thigh under his clothes. You see, the Moabites had been oppressing the people of God and the people of God cried out. And God raised up a leader. 
And he goes and he presents this gift to Eglon, king of Moab. And the Bible says that Eglon was grossly overweight. After Ehud had finished presenting this tribute, he went away a little way with the men who had carried it. But when he got far, as the stone images near Gilgal, he went back and he said, hey, y'all wait here for a minute. I, I've got a private message for the king. The king told his servants, hey, you can go. They all left. And Ehud, the left-handed man in a tribe of right-handed people, the Bible says, approached the king and the king was now quite alone in his cool rooftop room. And, and Ehud said, I have a word of God for you. Man, I just think that's funny. I don't know why. I just think that's so funny. E Eglon stood up from his throne. I'm ready to receive this word. He's been oppressing God's people. And Ehud, I just have to imagine, he, he shakes the king's hand with his right hand. And in that moment, the king lets his guard down because normal people shake with their right hand. But Ehud was not normal. And as he shakes with his right hand, he takes his left and pulls out that knife and he stabs that king. The Bible says Ehud reached with his left hand and took his sword from his right thigh and plunged it into the king's belly. Not only the blade, but everything went in. The fat closed in over it so he could not pull it out. I'm telling you, go read the story. Ehud slipped out by way of the ports and shut and locked the doors of the rooftop room behind him. And then he was gone. When the servants came, they saw with surprise that the doors to the rooftop were locked. They said he's probably relieving himself in the restroom. Again, you've got to read the story. They waited and then they worried no one was coming out. Finally, they get a key and they unlock them. There was their master fallen on the floor, dead. And while they were standing around wondering what to do, while the enemy was wondering, how did this happen? This left-handed man was long gone. He got past the stone images and escaped. When he got there, he surrounded or he sounded the trumpet on Mount Ephraim and the people of Israel came down from the hills and joined him. He took his place at their head. Can I tell you tonight, in a world that's full of right-handedness, can you be a left-handed believer in a world of negativity and in a world of doubt and in a world of fear? Can you lean into the uniqueness that says, I trust in a God that's greater. I trust in a God that's stronger. I stand on the promise. I stand on the truth of our God. Man, you cannot turn on the news without negativity, but I serve a positive God while the rest of the world is negative. I stand on the hope and I stand on the promise that our God is greater and that he is stronger. If you are thankful all across this place for a left-handed God in a right-handed world, can you just put your hands together and say, thank you, Jesus. Tonight, I don't know if you've been through a struggle in your own life. I don't know if you're in the middle of adversity right now. But if you are, can you just can you just lift your hand all across this room? If you're in the middle of a fight, if you're in the middle of a battle, if you're in the middle of adversity, can you just lift that hand up? Now look all around the room. There is everybody that's in a fight and in a struggle. Now can you lift the other hand in faith, believing that God's going to do something in the adversity, that he's going to bring something into your world, that in the middle of adversity, he's going to bring hope. 
Jesus in your name right now. I pray for every single person that's in this room under the sound of my voice that has been battling, that has been struggling, that has been fighting. Can you remind them that in their weakness, you will show them your strength, that in their issue and in their battle and in their struggle, that you are with them, that in the adversity, that you're creating something inside of them, that you're doing something for them and you are with them. If you believe that all across this place, can you just put your hands together and say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on, we can do better than that tonight. He's a good God.